0: Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by ballet dancers. My name is Keelan, and today we have on the show a very special guest, Maria Seletskaya. Maria, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Thank you very much. I'm doing very well. It has been a busy few days and weeks, actually, but uh, I'm feeling very much alive.
0: Very much alive. uh,
1: Yes, after after having been pretty much quiet and settled for the for many months, as many of us during the COVID times
0: right so you went from being pretty settled to shot out of a cannon and now you're working simultaneously in multiple countries
1: yes plus I also uh, I'm completing my master's degree in orchestra conducting at the Estonian uh, Academy of Music and Theater and it's my second and last year so things are pretty crazy now
0: right okay so for those at home who might not know who you are you are a conductor currently but before you became a conductor you were a ballerina that's correct you were like you were the real deal professional ballet dancer and you've pivoted to becoming a conductor and now you are the real deal conducting orchestras around the world
1: I wouldn't say yet around the world but uh, yes it's uh, slowly becomes a real deal in the orchestral conducting that's true I mean
0: Canada National Ballet of Canada. Yeah. Estonian National Ballet.
1: Royal Danish Ballet. No, oh, yes. It's
0: pretty around the world I think.
1: Yes, but you know how there are sometimes some conductors who, you know, travel the globe and they have sure. a list of 70 of 100 orchestras on their CV. That's that's not yet my case, but yeah. Step Give by step. Time.
0: Yeah, you're still yeah. you're still young. You're still young. There's like a meme about this guy uh, on the internet, but he's a real guy named Johnny Kim. And he's 37, or at least by the age of 37, he was a Navy SEAL, a Harvard doctor, and a NASA astronaut. You're pretty close to that. Like you're like an artistic version of that. You know, you just need like one more crazy career to match him. But to be I was
1: dreaming to become an astronaut. Maybe I yeah. should still think about it.
0: There's still there's still time. Being a ballet dancer is not something you take lightly. Like we usually have to start very early, devote every part of our lives to achieving this thing. And then when we get it, it still takes all of our time, like usually takes up most of your life. So you did that and then you pivoted out to another job, which I got to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about it, but I believe it's another job that requires a lot of time, total focus. So what's that like? How was that transition for you?
1: Uh, to be honest, now that I have actually transitioned, I think it uh, has become a bit easier. But during my last few years of dancing career, um, it needed a very good planning. Um, because as you have just said, um, ballet normally requires our full focus and and a lot of time. And li- uh, ballet isn't really your job from nine to five. It's a lifestyle, right? Yeah. and so is music and normally pursuing one career normally excludes another so it's really a miracle that I was given a chance from above probably I always say that the, the, that permitted me to make it happen it did require those many many years of <laughs> sleepless nights because, you know, if you work for, let's say, eight or ten hours in ballet and then you work for another eight hours uh, or seven, a bit less maybe, uh, for your music studies, then how much more time do you have left, you know, um, sure. for, for for sleep? So yeah. there were many many nights when I would um, wake up uh, sitting at the table, you know, hitting my score because I had fallen asleep uh, studying. So, uh, but I'm not trying, you know, to show off. It's a, it's a pragmatic (laughs) reality, I would say, but I should not, you know, um, hide. Uh, I needed to give up lots of things in order to make this transition happen but it never felt like I was giving up something, you know, um, I didn't often go out with friends. I didn't go for a drink or I didn't go to someone's party. So I would normally say, this, and I have this to study. or I have this, this, this to do. And it's literally how I was thinking that at the age of around 40, when most of my peers will be stopping, I will be just starting. Mm. And that always somehow was guiding me through even at the moments when I really felt like I just couldn't open my eyelids anymore, or I wasn't sure if I would be able to get through that ballet run through this morning because I didn't sleep enough. Right. So, yeah.
0: So let's go back a little bit. Let's just chart your progression from kind of being born to where you are now. So you're from Estonia. You're actually from a family that has a lot of ballerinas in it. Right. I've been colleagues with one of your sisters. So the Seletskaya sisters are all over the world. <laughs> you graduated and then what? Like, like, just walk us through kind of the, the broad strokes of your career.
1: Uh, so I was a student of Tallinn Ballet School in Estonia. That's Estonia National Ballet School, uh, which I graduated from in 2002. And then I went on to Vaganov Academy, where I got a chance to have a year of perfecting myself. After graduating Vaganova Academy in 2003, I had joined uh, Estonian National Ballet, where I was a quarter ballet dancer with some solo roles for two seasons. And in 2005, I auditioned for Staatsballet Berlin, and uh, I got a contract and I moved to Germany, to Berlin. And I had a very nice successful fulfilling four seasons uh, in Berlin and after that I had moved to Zürich and from my brief moment in Zürich I then moved to the Royal Battle of Flanders which had become my last company then.
0: So Tallinn, Estonia, Berlin, Germany, Zurich, Switzerland and Antwerp?
1: Antwerp, yeah, Antwerp is known as Antwerp in Belgium.
0: Yeah, right. It's a nice little European trip, nice little four cities.
1: Yes, really. (laughs) Nice,
0: very pretty. So I saw a video of you doing a variation, something on your Instagram. It was like a minute long and it was really good. And so it was throughout that whole process that you were developing your kind of love and interest in conducting and in music. But did the change over actually, like when did you actually start conducting?
1: When did that happen? Um, by actually conducting, do you mean that, you know, just give, having chances to stand in front of an orchestra or actually calling it uh, professional engagement? I mean, I would say that um, my first times with in front of orchestra were approximately in 2015. So it took a long time for me to get my feet on the ground in music you know to get this basic education that all the musicians are getting during years of their high school and and conservatory years, university years i didn't have that chance and uh, yes it was in 2015 that i started attending master classes in conducting and you know normally you have a chance to stand in front of an orchestra for 10 minutes for 15 minutes and uh, you learn by watching others and by briefly standing in front of an orchestra. Um, but uh, my big, big, big breakthrough was, I think, when I got a chance to conduct my first ever full length show. It was with Stuttgart Ballet. Right. With <laughs> that amazing orchestra and company. Yeah. I think it was April 27th, 2018. And then in November that year, I had retired completely from ballet.
0: Okay, yes. so you were dancing still this whole time, like this
1: yes, whole process my last, all the way through. My last two seasons, I had be, I had a chance to be an assistant conductor for Stuttgart Ballet, music director of Stuttgart Ballet, James Tuggle. He called me because he was teaching me for two years already by then, and he said that um, we have a possibility for you. Would you love, grab it? You know, we can't pay it, but it's great for your CV. I said, of course, <laughs> assistant conductor yeah. of Stuttgart Ballet. Are yeah, you kidding me? Of course, I will pay for it, you know. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, one thing is that if you say I'm a dancer, I want to conduct, and people say, oh, cute. Do you know what's C and what is G, you know? Do you know what's the difference between treble and clef? But another thing is that if you say I'm an assistant conductor for Stuttgart Ballet, they immediately, th- at least they will think twice before maybe denying you some sort of possibility, you know, because... Sure if you have an engagement professional opera house it's an engagement professional opera house so i was appointed the assistant conductor but the deal was that i would not be conducting anything i had to learn many scores of ballets that were on the rep i was supposed to be there for every shows that i was a substitute for i was conducting piano rehearsals or run-throughs so you know basically i was just getting technique i was getting to know how this whole process works but the deal was that i would not conduct a single show unless conductor just felt dead and was not able to be there but that only happens when conductor is literally dead okay uh it's similar to dancer right sure and then as i understood the was going through transition time. Reed Anderson was giving his uh, place to Tamas Detrich. And Tamas saw me conduct uh, some run-throughs of La Filme garde, Ashton's La Filme garde. And uh, once I bumped into him on a staircase and he said, be careful because you might be going on. And I said, ha, 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 very funny, you know. And we said, bye-bye. And then some couple of weeks later, Later, James Tuggle, the music director, calls me home and says, Mania, what would you think if we gave you a chance to conduct one show? He said, you would have no chance to get to know the orchestra, no rehearsals to do, but you would just walk into the pit and conduct the show. And you would basically have no right to fail, and tempo would have to be correct, and you would have to know the show. Would you be up for it? It's in three weeks. And he says, James, um, I'm scared to death, but this, there are opportunities sometimes to which you can not say no. So of course I will say yes. He said, I knew that would be the answer. So you're on.
0: This reminds me a lot of my time in Estonia. Maybe it's the same for you, where they'll just let you know, like, hey, you've got a show of this ballet. You're not going to get a run through, but do you want to do it? And you're like, Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I had
1: I had built most of my ballet career as well, like yep. this. I was Good. I was called macroflex dancer. You know, macroflex is this foam that you can. Uh, push into every hole in the wall and it will fill the hole, you know, because right. I always, I could always dance any variation, any role, any side and any place, you know. And so right. I built my career. Yes.
0: In a way you were ready to not be ready.
1: Um, this is in general, my principle, how I, uh, how I live. I might be scared to death, but um, I never want to have to tell myself why didn't I try this? Why didn't I do this? To regret that I was scared and I didn't try. I don't want it. I prefer to fail. Yeah. I prefer to fail, but at least I have tried it.
0: And at least if you fail, you're learning. And I mean, if you, yeah, taking an opportunity, if somebody gives you something that is a legitimate opportunity, like do you want to come and be the assistant conductor? You've got a title at a legitimate house like Stuttgart. Um, or do you want to conduct this orchestra? It's like, yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's exactly what I want to do. So exactly. why would I turn down the thing I want to do, even if I don't feel totally ready?
1: We're never exactly. going to feel
0: totally ready. And even if you feel totally ready, you can mess it up. That's one of the things I've learned. Even when you feel really ready, you might have your worst show. Yes. <laughs> you know, like the presence of nerves doesn't necessarily make it a bad show. Exactly. So how was the performance? How was this film like show?
1: Um, it went very well. Yeah, I was so scared walking into the pit. I didn't feel my legs um, beneath me. And I just saw these people looking at me, you know, over the shoulder. Maybe it felt this way, but I, you know, I remember them looking like, who is this girl? Ballet, ballet, thin girl, you know, with a baton in her head, hand. And I remember I said, okay, now or never, because this is my chance actually to know if conducting is really how I imagine it. And, you know, I was so scared. But then when I took this upbeat, I felt like a fish in the water. Scary, yes, but it felt like this is what I want to do my entire life. It never felt... uh, I I had never experienced anything like this before. Ballet, ballet, you know, I danced many of really, really nice things and some really nice roles and lots of principal parts. And I had a career beyond... I could have ever dreamed of, but it was always a struggle. It was always through like, maybe all through doesn't work, won't work or whatever. It never felt really, really right. I always said, and it's true. I was saying that to my friends, I feel that Bali is not a final destination. It's just an intermediate stop somewhere. But I have no idea where my life is taking me. Meanwhile, when I stood there in the pit in front of York, I was scared to death. Hundreds of times more than I had ever been scared on stage. But it felt so right. It felt so right. And I said, yes, this is what I want.
0: That's beautiful. That is really beautiful. So I, w- I wanted to ask that. Do you still feel that level of nerves or has that kind of calmed down when you conduct now? I,
1: I still feel the same. And you know, funny thing is that uh, when I talk to some conductors, those who are super successful conductors now, they say, Maria, just get used to it. It's always scary. It always will be scary, and you will always have a feeling that you have no idea what you're doing. It's always because you're faced with so many people
0: yeah.
1: who are there. They they wait for authoritarian guidance from you, but they are judging you. <laughs> sure. So it's it's you know this kind of a tug of war uh, situation, and you always have to. Or be out there and prove something so it will never just this is just better get used to it
0: have you had any performances where you feel like you're in a flow state where like you get lost in the music and you're not thinking anymore and you just kind of own it
1: um no not yet not yet
0: because watching conductors you often see these these people and they really look so into it like they're so captivated you know
1: uh, I am definitely 100% into it every time I'm out there, but uh, I have not yet had this feeling. It's always a feeling of immense concentration, first of all. It's mm-hmm. just because you stand there and you feel that things which are happening on stage and both in pit stage and also lights and sceneries, everything depends on you. You know, if ox starts falling apart, dances will start falling apart. Or if it takes too slow tempo, Uh, then some scenery change won't work or even worse if you take too fast tempo sometimes they won't manage to change the scenery lights might come on differently whatever so you just um yeah i i I, now when i started conducting i understand what one of my ballet teachers was saying because when i was young i felt so dramatic i love wanted to cry on stage and feel and she said my dear uh, crying is fine, but you need to make other people cry on stage, mm-hmm. yeah. and not cry yourself. You need to be absolutely focused at all times, even when you are leaving it out. And I understand, like I need to make others, uh, you know, I, I need to inspire, provoke, like my uh, my teacher said. I need to provoke players to play in a way that I think is necessary, and I need others. I need to make others feel shivers or uh, when they listen to the music or that I need them to cry, but not myself yeah it's it's normally only you know uh when I know that the the performance is behind me and there's literally the last couple of phrases and nothing can go wrong anymore. then this exhilarating wave of happiness comes. Yeah. And I like, I see sometimes from the video that I get this special kind of smile, you know, this relief and joy and uh, immense happiness that comes. This, yes, but that, you know, that I was just like, go with the whole flow. no. And I believe that um, none of conductors has that. I believe that, you know, it's just um, the immense technique and the convincing acting that they have that they probably look from the side, uh, like, oh, this person who is living a time of life, uh, his life. Uh, most likely there's a super-pooper computer mm-hmm. running at full speed in the head.
0: Yeah, hearing you talk about this, the conductor really is kind of steering the ship. By the time the conductor's involved is the performance. So by the time we're performing, the dancers are as ready as they're going to be, the costumes are all done, the lighting is all set, the last piece is what tempos are we doing like the last yep. kind of variable is is really unless something crazy happens on stage but the last real variable is the conductor is going to tell us how fast we, we dance and it's true that really does affect everything including scene changes and lighting cues and how much time people have to catch their breath so our stamina exactly so I do have questions about that so there's the joke I've heard different people make, different conductors make, and different you know directors make about conductors, which is, uh, hey dancers, for the show today, do you want it to be too fast or too slow?
1: Yes, that's true. They're making this joke.
0: And that is very funny because <laughs> it does usually seem to be one or the other. Um, in my time as a professional, I think maybe similar to what you described, you learn how to handle chaos. So if I'm thrown into a, a role that I'm not prepared for that actually helps me, in a way, for dealing with a tempo I'm not prepared for because you just learn how to manage and how to cope. In my time at Ballet Jorgen, there were often just unforeseen things that happened, and you're just like, okay, coping, coping, coping. And so when I came to Estonia, and they're like, all right, you're going to have four different principal roles in this month, and four different partners, and lots of crazy things going on and you're not going to get a stage run for there. and, oh, one week before the premiere, you're going into Onegin, surprise, like all this kind of these variables floating around. When the conductor would come and ask like, hey, what do you want the tempo to be? Usually I would just give them freedom. I would just be like, I mean, play what feels normal. Don't go too crazy either direction, maybe watch me. Like I would try in the studio maybe to tell, hey, can you make it kind of like this? Like watch me kind of try to match this but when it's before the show or like at intermission and it's backstage behind the curtain and the guy's like, how's this? I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm sure it's fine because it's going to be what it's going to be at that point. All bets are off. Yep. And there were moments, and I, I won't name the guy, but we had one conductor in Estonia who regularly, and this is probably why I stopped even telling people what to play because he would be like, okay, how do you want it? And I'd be like, all right, for the beginning section, I remember this happened for both my performances at There, I'm like, for the cabrioles, make it slow. The the beginning manage, make it slow so I can jump really high. And then for the manage at the end, make it a bit faster. And he flipped it. And if you watch the video, you see he clearly played the beginning fast and the ending slow to the point where I can like barely be on the music doing these super slow Soda Bosque. And so I ask you, as somebody who is so familiar with ballet, do you feel like you have a a leg up, as they say, uh, an advantage? Because if you're playing, you know, Black Swan, and it's, you're going to be like, wait, there's something wrong with this. Like, no human being can dance at this tempo.
1: Definitely, absolutely. I mean, uh, there are some tempi that I just, you know, part of my um, body, you know, and there's no way I can't even take them wrong. Plus, minus, whatever okay. hundreds of uh, second uh, fluctuations, certainly. And plus, you know, uh, we should not um, forget that dancers perceive tempi differently depending on uh, how much adrenaline, for example, they have in the blood. Sure. There is a high level, level of adrenaline in the tempo that was perfect yesterday. The same tempo will feel way too slow because simply muscles are contracting faster and the time perception is different because you know when you're high on adrenaline from nerves you know everything seems too slow and vice versa if you're too tired then every tempo will feel too slow Uh, no too fast sorry because your muscles just won't be coming along with the speed but yes, of course, I, ha- I have an advantage because, you know, um, I know the basic flow of music of any ballet of, in the core rep. So uh, then we are coming to different versions and different tempi, you know, and now we, I was just doing um, Romeo and Juliet in Royal Danish Ballet, you know, and I was in extreme situation where I was at the orchestra pit. With the orchestra which had no idea who i was and dancers who had never seen me you know they have no idea and i have no idea what tempo they need what is their breathing what is their phrasing you know so it was extreme it was a bit too much (laughs) it was a bit too much but it went well but you know in these situations i can thank my ballet past for just basically knowing what it is and then i i don't need to always think oh what tempo was that i only need to you know sometimes like look at the stage and say like oh okay here she's breathing or here he is not yet and now he's there you know Mm. but basically i know most of it but the pressure is different uh because uh when i come into the studio and as soon as people know that i'm a ballet dancer ex-ballet dancer they await nothing but the perfect tempo for me
0: right because we assume that you understand and so we're like yes so you
1: know you know, one little whatever. And I know, you know, I, I, it's just, you know, like, just pull. There's nothing. You just need to, you know, just maybe make a bit more of this port de bras. Just fractional thing. Immediately, you know, eyes are looking at me in the corner. What's wrong? Why? Why wasn't it perfect? So it's a different kind of pressure, of course.
0: Sure. Yeah, we can be a bit diva about stuff like that. I do have some, like, orchestra-specific questions, like... Maybe you can kind of, as a ballad dancer, turn to orchestra leader. Maybe you can kind of give us the scoop. So orchestra dynamics, how does it work? Like I heard that the first violin actually has more control over the tempo than the conductor. Is that true?
1: Uh, if conductor is not in control, then certainly. Okay. Orchestra has first 20 seconds of the piece. In which to figure out whether they are going to follow conductor or not
0: okay
1: and it's as cruel as it is they will actually be playing with the concert master so their eyes instead of conductors will be on the concert master and they will be playing with the concert master and the concert
0: master is the first violin
1: yes okay position of first violin is called concert master okay so um it is true it is true but then you know if we are going to a super complex repertoire like Stravinsky and mm-hmm. some contemporary music, then of course you need conductor. Because, right. you know, score can be so complex that, you know, um, it's sometimes just hard to hear who is having a melody, who is having an accompaniment, and who works with which group of instruments works with whom in which relation. So then, yes, but in general, that's true. Uh, first violin can very much make conductor or orchestra as an organism can very much make a conductor uh, just beat along.
0: Right. I I can't imagine that feels very good. No. Is there somebody who plays the triangle? Like, is there ever just somebody standing in the back playing the triangle? I mean,
1: not only triangle. It's a triangle is being played by one of the percussion instrument, uh, musicians. And normally uh, each percussion musician might have three to ten instruments okay. which they're always changing so okay All
0: right. i was going to ask if i could volunteer to play triangle so that's a no but
1: by the way you know that playing triangle is a really really stressful job okay. i had a talk with a uh, british conductor ben pope and uh, he said that once as a joke he said oh, i might just go into the pit and play triangle you know i had nothing to do free evening so he just went to the pit. he said I was sweating because I suddenly was not sure if I'm going to strike it like at the right moment. How many rests are because you know, if you look at the part of the percussion player, you know, they're not playing all the time like yeah, first no. violin or second, you know, they yeah. have rest, 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 171 bars rest. And then you are, you end up not being sure. And he said, and yeah. then it needs to be like right then and right now and not early and not later and at this correct volume he said i was shaking i said never again so right. it has, it's uh it's not as funny when you try to do it
0: okay good now i my my hopes yeah. of ever being a triangle yeah. player have been bashed and that's okay
1: and uh, and as i said if you want to play triangle you have to be able to play every single percussion instrument and that's right. a w- wildest variety of stuff i don't even know all the names of instruments okay needless to say how to play them
0: sure Okay, so everybody at home who is thinking about being a triangle player like me, it's a lot harder than you think. (laughs) So one of the images I have for how I kind of envision being a ballet dancer, it's, it's like we're solving a Rubik's Cube all the time. We have to think about the physical, and then when you're performing, you're also telling a story. The characters are emotional, but you're also making sure that you're in line with the court ballet or you're not missing your mark. You're exactly on the spot you need to be. Or if you're doing partnering, you're thinking about you very much, but also making sure your partner is safe. Like there's so much going on. You get sweat in your eye and you get the light. So you can't really see, but you still have to do pure lights. Like there's so many things to balance.
1: Makeup is leaking. Costume might trip. Yeah. slippery shoes. Yeah. yeah. Your
0: shoe is starting to fall off all these things. And maybe you're hungry or you're a little bit sore. You're in pain from something else. So there's, there's always lots on your mind. And I have to assume that conducting is the same, like you're part of the same equation, but you've shifted from standing on the stage, looking out past the orchestra, past the conductor, and you've literally flipped the relationship so that now you're at the front looking at the stage, at the dancers, but it's still the same ultimate game. like. It's the same puzzle, but it's in a different way.
1: I and would say it's a little bit different.
0: But it's—I mean—it's the same puzzle in the sense of like it's—it's it's a ballet performance or it's an opera performance. Yeah. Like it's the same task we're all part of, and you've now just shifted your vantage point and your responsibility is obviously very different. And you went from being responsible for yourself, like one person, one body, to thirty people in the orchestra. But you're you also wish it was up,
1: thirty. <laughs> what's
0: that like? The shifting of the Rubik's Cube, what's that like?
1: It's just very weird, you know, because uh, if you are a dancer, you are uh, a receptor, you are reacting on something that comes from the pit and from the sides and from like as a light. And then you are you are like a prism, you know, like, you know, let's say white light, sunlight comes goes to the, through the prism and then becomes a rainbow, right? So as a dancer, you are this prism that takes the white lights and then sends the rainbow out. But me right now, I am, I happen to be this white light, you know, I need to generate enough energy to make um, musicians play. And then what's being generated goes to the stage and then they react and then it just uh, being sent to the audience. So it's really funny. I need to have my internal battery very much charged, I realize it now as I'm speaking, because, you know, normally when you have rehearsed uh, ballet for weeks with piano, you come on stage and the sounds that come from the orchestra, they give you so much inspiration and they take you, you know, like But when you're a conductor, you need to have it in your head before you even start. You know, like what sound do I want? how do I want this music now to start, you know, I was practicing this upbeat of Romeo and Juliet, you know, the string sections, how do I want them to start with which was warm, dramatic, loving, uh, you know, feeling faithful already, because then you know that with this first note or the F sharp the of uh, Overture of Swan Lake, Oh, but, oh, da, 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 da. I remember sitting as a white swan, sitting, hearing this, you know, and it would give me shivers and it would tune mm. me to the whole performance, you know? Yeah. So I know it needs to sound in conductor's head before wow. I need to know what do I want and then hope that I was clear enough in my beating to get this for musicians and then if not, then I need to constantly, constantly calculate what can I change in my beat and my presence, in order to get the desired sound. And it's, it'll take forever. Uh, This uh, development will take forever.
0: It sounds to me like, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. and, And as somebody who has had that experience of, you hear that first note in Swan Lake and here we go, like shows the show's going now. And it's, it becomes real in that moment, right? It's not theoretical. The show's about to start. It's happening. Um, and all of the nerves that are there, like everything that you've worked for has begun. And it does start with, now that I'm hearing you explain it, one person considering, okay, how does this need to go? How does this need to work? Like, it's kind of, it's all on you. Like you're shepherding it. You obviously have the people playing the instruments, but you're the guide for the whole thing. I can see how, like in terms of challenge that actually would be a bigger challenge. Like, like you said, some of your friends who at 40 their career is going to be over when they're dancers, yours is just beginning. You have this thing you can dig into and grow with like this massive, this mountain decline that you can keep getting better and better at, like in learning so much more. Cause this does sound like a massive undertaking.
1: I am very lucky that I have this road to do because, uh, ballet ballet dancers uh, path is beautiful and demanding but is so, sometimes in some aspects it's very sad and age is one of the biggest problems you know yourself that after 30 you're considered old you know and in only rare occasions you know when you are principal dancer or whatever then you know your experience in life and on stage you know it will becomes more valuable as you age because then you can uh, tell the story better but that's as you approach 40 you know more and more people will remind you when are you going to retire do you think how long can you still hang around you know oh you know and everyone fears the moment you know that the ballot master director will come and whisper in your ear you know like it's going to be your last season you know you're not longer up to it. Right. Meanwhile, with conductor, if you are in full health, you know, in your mental health is not declining, then the older you get, the more experienced you become and the more respected you become. And it's a theoretically a uh, profession till, till coffin basically, you know, I'm not even talking to patient, it's still coffin. Right. You know, there are so many conductors who conduct in their 80s and they, they are being marveled at. So it's definitely a profession of second uh, half of the life. There is a tendency to have more and more young conductors. But, you know, I always say, you know, if I come in front of an orchestra, I'm 37. I'm still 37. And if I see, let's say, a French horn player who has played in that orchestra, as long as I have lived on this earth, or perhaps even longer. What on earth can I tell him about? I can't. So I'm just thankful that this guy is playing what I'm conducting, thank you very much. So if, if it was obviously some sort of a problem, a conflict um, between stage and orchestra, or if something you know fell apart, yes, I can say. But in order to dig deeper, to go into the sacred area, a material of music, I need to conduct for like 20 years before I will actually be able to say something that's worth being listened to. So I'm, I am—I feel extremely blessed that I have this road ahead of me, extremely blessed.
0: Yeah, I'm really, I'm so happy for you. Also, this just sounds like such a cool transition. and The fact that you're passionate about both, like to be passionate about ballet and then switch into the thing that you maybe always felt like you needed to be doing, you know, once you did it for the first time, you realized, oh, this is where I need to be, bravo. Um, So let's wrap up here with, uh, you have a show coming up. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time you've conducted for the Estonian National Ballet. That's correct. So this is kind of a cool homecoming. Like you're from Estonia, you graduated from the school, you danced in the company, And now you've gone on to have a very nice dance career, begun a second career, and you're circling back and playing for your home theater for the first time. And you're playing Swan Lake of all ballets, the most epic of ballets.
1: That's correct. That's indeed a very nice um, circle that I have somehow done. Uh, And even more epic is that I danced my premiere of Odette Odile also in that theater, Uh, but back in 2010, uh, so I can't say a decade ago, it was uh, 11 (laughs) years ago, but still I premiered uh, Odette Odile with the Estonian National Ballet. So it's somewhat symbolic to conduct uh, Swan Lake as my first performance there.
0: So tell us a little bit about how it's going because we're going to interview you. I think we've got an interview set up for like the day after the show. And so we're going to get to hear how it goes. Hear are the ups and downs, any funny things that happened. But how's it going?
1: Rehearsals, always dancers have been going great. There were no problems, no clashes. And I also had my first orchestra rehearsal in the beginning of this week. So when was it on Tuesday? We are on Saturday today. So I was really, really scared because, you know, everyone in this house, they know me. And Estonia is a tiny country. So somehow, even though I was absent from the country for 15 years, somehow people still know who I am. It's baffling. It's really weird. Why? So it's uh, scarier in a way because I go out there and stand on the rostrum and I see this eyes, and people, you know, raise their eyebrows and say, okay, go girl, show us, you know. So this rehearsal was feeling like a test. Um, mm. But, you know. Every rehearsal on my stage of development is a test and is a big chance to learn. So mm-hmm. there were things that I have to digest still.
0: Um, what is your biggest concern leading into the performance? Are you uh, worried? Is the, the horn section not pulling their weight or no, your relationship no, with the first no. violin is a struggle? Like what, what no, is your but... biggest concern? It's a bit of sense. It's also good for the show. If there's a bit of like drama, like, oh, and people want to hear how it goes. You
1: know, you know um, I will probably be boring person. I, I, don't, I don't feel that there will be any drama. And not because I'm so good, but because, um, I, first of all, concerning, uh, regarding what you said, have just said about French horns or whatever orchestra uh, instrument group, um, I, there's this much I can do, you know? So I just can hope that I will be precise enough and clear enough. And then that I will make it possible for musicians to do their job. But I can't physically play notes for them. I wish, I can't. Um, So I just hope that I will be at my best for that particular day. And I'm absolutely fine uh, making some mistakes. Uh, I try to prepare well enough not to make any mistakes, but I, as I grew older, I started uh, being a bit more relaxed about mistakes, seeing them as a part of my development. And I have no problem admitting, you know, sometimes when I'm uh, rehearsing ballet, I stop the orchestra and say, listen, can you please repeat it just for me? It It was my mistake, you know? I will never invent a mistake. Oh, you know, second clarinet, can you please just not play so quiet, you know? Sometimes some conductors do that. Right. Um, I will say it was for me. So I just hope that I, I know now I have had my orchestra rehearsal. I know what the tricky moments are because I have never conducted this ballet with orchestra. Yet. I have studied the score, but I it was the first time I was in front of an orchestra. I know now what these so-called slippery places are. And I just hope that they will go smoothly. Right. I'm not awaiting any extraordinary artistic result for me. I, I I know that uh, dancers will dance their best and musicians will play their best, if I'll be clear and precise enough. And then if that's going to be the case, then we will have a nice show.
0: What are the slippery moments?
1: Some transitions, some tempo transitions, you know, when you just need to move the whole orchestra a bit faster or when the music is being perceived as written in two, like one, two, one, two, one, two, but actually the music goes in one, two, three, one, two, three. So you need to be really precise in your head, counting one, two, three, one, two, three. So your hand will not start beating somewhere in between. you know. And uh, there are plenty of places like this in Tchaikovsky, but Tchaikovsky loved doing this kind of thing. So I just need to remind myself not to get caught up in like phrasing, ah, do the crescendo, but uh, really just beat like a metronome, one, two, three, one, two, three, or one, two, three, four, whatever it is. Um, And stay always two feet on the ground.
0: Can you give us any kind of specific, like, like sizzle about like, oh yeah, the black swan variation, you know, is, is a bit challenging.
1: All these padudas, they went actually quite well in rehearsal. It was fine. But uh, Waltz of Brides, for example, uh, that's a place I am really being careful about. It's like a... you have a feeling that the music goes like one, two, one, two, one, two. One, but it's a waltz, it's still written in three. And I remember I got really unclear in the rehearsal. So I actually stopped the orchestra. And said, oh, once again, for me, please, let's go. Two phrases back and let's do it again for me. And second time it went well, but I need to be really careful about it. Also, my, my conducting teacher, he watched the rehearsal and he said, you know, just don't be afraid to stand in front of an orchestra and impose yourself on them. Because you are the one who needs to move this entire machine faster. Or you need to make them flexible, you know, according to what's needed on stage. So you need to be, like, really in charge and don't be, like, nice. So I will try my best.
0: I have complete faith in you. Uh, I'm really excited for you. And I look forward to speaking with you in a few days about how the show went. Toy, toy, toy. toy. This is so exciting. And, (laughs) uh, And thank you so much for giving us some of your time today while you're in between... Denmark and Estonia and also being a mom and you've got a million things going on so suraita, Herdaiga
1: Herdaiga and see you in a few days Bye now Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance Just dance Dance